what I want to focus on now. Like, you can worry yourself to death, and guess what? That situation ain't changing. That situation remains the same. That, that situation has no clue that you're worrying about it. Don't care about it. Now, you worry yourself to death, you know, and that's why Scripture over and over tells us to not worry not these things because we all know from a medical standpoint it is terrible on your body. If you sit there and worry yourself to death, you're just bringing on sickness and illnesses amongst yourself from that worry and lots of gray hair. Blame that on kids, right? But in all this worrying and stuff, you know, like I said, you're not changing the situation. You're not adding anything. So all these things like, uh, you know, our life is no longer ours. You know, that's that's another thing with like Jesus. You know, I, I owe everything to Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, I probably would not have made it past 21. And I, would, I didn't even know Jesus at 21. So that goes on back to saying like God's in control. Like God has a plan and a purpose for everybody. And you're going to walk the walk that you walk, but guess what? God will get a hold of you. And once he does, you owe everything to him. You know, I owe him my life. I owe him everything. So in, in those things with the job, you know, what if you lost your job tomorrow? Would you give up and throw in the towel and go jump off a cliff somewhere? Or would you get up, lace your boots up and say, all right, well, God's got something else. You know, may, we tend to forget that good and bad. All things work together for the good of them who is in Christ Jesus. So even if the worst thing that you can imagine happened, you lost your job, lost your house, or whatever, God's in control and God has a reason for these things that he allows to happen, right? So maybe you need to downsize. Maybe you get so caught up in all this, you're so worried about bills, you can't focus on God. Maybe those things like that is what brings us to a point to where now we are relying on God and we're spending time on God like he wants us to when we, he blessed us with these things. Just like Job, you know, think about him all the time. He lost everything, lost, couldn't even imagine walking in Job's shoe during all that. And during all that, man, God, you know, he just kept his focus on God. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass on the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, or knows that you need all these things. God knows what we need, right? But seek first the kingdom of God. I like how he lays all these things out, and then he ends it with this. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So if you're seeking him first, his glory and all these things, all, he's going to take care of you is what he's saying. So, uh, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So no matter what comes, good, bad, all these different things, keep God in perspective. Seek Him first and His righteousness first in all these things because that, to me, not in all instances like I was saying earlier because sometimes all these emotions flood us at different times and we can't control. You can't stop thoughts from coming in your brain. You know, anybody's dealt with anxiety and different things like that in your life before, sometimes you just everything's peachy and great and then all of a sudden it's just you're hit with all these emotions out of nowhere. You can't stop that. Now, you can sit and ponder on things and bring it that same effect on, but even in the instances where it's not, Paul tells us, you know, to take every thought into captivity and all these different things. We can't control the thoughts, but what we can do is respond and control our actions with those things. So when those things come and attack us from any direction, no matter what it is in life, bring that baby into subjection quick and take it to God because he's in control Close your eyes if you have to. Just meditate on Him and His goodness. And that's where I want us to challenge us today is to be able to get to a point to where we can trust in the illustration in our earthly life like I was with Mark. The only way that we can get to a point to where we fully trust someone to not even second guess or question that is by what? Spending time with somebody. So you relay that back to God. I'll challenge us this morning to spend more time with God, to get in His Word and get it so far in us. That if the U.S. government passed some kind of crazy stuff to where we like in North Korea, to where you're going to get jailed or 
you know, all these different things for even having a Bible. We need to be so full of God that even if they took this away from me tomorrow, I hope that I have enough inside of it tomorrow to where the Holy Spirit can bring to my remembrance to keep me pushing and going through the day and relying on His Word. And all that's going to come is by spending time with Him. Amen. have just a, a few minutes to share something, some things with you. Uh, one thing I do want to remind you all of, in case you haven't thought about it, is that this month is Pastor Appreciation Month, and you need to go out of your way to let our pastors, Mark and Gabby, know how much you appreciate their work and their, their leadership and their sacrifice. But I want to shift gears for just a moment. I do want to say this about what J.J. said. I've often said that thoughts are like birds. You can't keep them from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Okay? So, good job, J.J. With what's going on in the world today and the attack that came on Israel yesterday, it's often been said if you want to understand Bible prophecy and see what God's doing, you've got to look at Israel. That's where the whole thing centers is right there. And... uh what happened yesterday in this attack from the Palestinians, they call them Hamas, but they're Palestinians, is something that's going to spread, it's going to escalate, I really believe, uh, not just from Israel's standpoint, but from other standpoint, because Iran is pushing this thing. Uh, the uh, Hamas is nothing but a proxy arm of the Iranian government, Hezbollah in the north is, and they're believing that Hezbollah is also going to attack Israel. But now, all of these things are leading us to a point, And I really believe it's to the point to when Jesus is going to return. And I'm not setting a date. I don't believe in that. But I'm looking at the time and the seasons at what's going on. But I want to set you at ease on something. Uh, Jesus, and it's recorded in Mark 24 and Luke chapter 21, I mean, Matthew 24 and Mark chapter 13, what's called where Jesus, the Olivet Discourse, where he talked about events in these last days. And he addressed things like this. But then there's scriptures that's given to us today to help us, to help us be comfortable with what God knows. I was thinking about this yesterday. Is this in God's plan? I believe it's in God's knowledge. God knew that these things were going to transpire and take place. But I believe that God has a plan of bringing this to an end to where that this world and the ones that are on it is going to recognize that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he'll use things like this his, in his knowledge of knowing. I believe, see, I, I serve an infinite God. I don't know about you. But I believe God has known the end from the beginning. And if he's known the end from the beginning, he's known everything in between also. He knows our life. He knows our thoughts. He knows where we are. And the thing that happened yesterday did not surprise God one bit in the world. It surprised Israel. They were not prepared. It, they were celebrating one of their highest holy holidays in the Feast of Tabernacles when they were attacked. The same thing happened in 1967 in the Six-Day War. They were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, when that attack happened, and in six days Israel had completely won the war and, and closed that thing down. And I believe with God's help and our prayers it will again. But let me share the Scripture with you. He said in, in Luke chapter 21, when you hear of wars and commotions, call, call us whatever you want, uh, Netanyahu said, we're at war. Do not be terrified. Because, see, we could get so bound down to where we would be terrified about what's going on. For these things must come to pass first, 
but the end will not come immediately. For then nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from the heaven. So these things are going to happen. I'm bringing this to you this morning. I felt led to do this, not for the purpose of alarming you, but informing you. Folks, these things are going to happen, and they're going to escalate. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that because lawlessness or sinfulness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And the key word there is abounds. And that means not only is it getting recognized more and more, not only is sin and and lawlessness and transgression against God being recognized more and more. It's been practiced more and more. It has been glorified more and more. Because this, this creation that God made, it seems like that the people that are on it are fighting against the Creator. I heard uh, a little thing was, uh, about the movie The Blind. And Phil Robinson said that he loved creation, but then he met the Creator, and that changed his life. Now, folks, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to quit because there's a whole lot of things I could say, but in Psalms 83, it talks about a war that is going to be localized over there, and it's going to involve a whole lot of what you see now, the nations, Iran, Syria, uh, Iraq, and Turkey. This is not the Ezekiel 30. Uh, 8 and 39 war. It's a different one than that. These things are going to happen. They're going to take place. And our thing this morning that we need to realize is this. Jesus is coming. He said He was. And we need to be prepared. We don't know the day nor the hour, but all of these things are leading up to that. So when you see these things begin to come to pass, don't be terrified. Because on down in Luke, he said that when you see these things begin to take place, lift up your head, your redemption draws nigh. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Amen. How many is excited to be here today? Amen? Yeah. Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Um, the first time visitors, glad you're here this morning. If you're the longest running here, then glad you're here today also. I know we've got uh, a new evangelist in the house. He's going out spreading the word. Um, I know Reed has invited people this morning to church. Reed Holloway. He ain't even paying attention. And so the Bible talks about out of the mouth of babes, right? Reed's three years old. So, and he's inviting people to church and telling them, hey, you need to be in church. And guess what? They're doing better than most adults do when we invite people to church. They actually came. So we're glad you're here this morning. We are. And keep it up, Reed. We all could take examples from Reed on inviting people to church and telling them about Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, thank you, JJ, for the word. Daddy, for the word this morning. Also, thank him last week for, for preaching in my absence. If you didn't... Uh, Get anything out of it? If you wasn't here, didn't, and you missed it, go back and listen to it. He preached on four compromises last week and done a tremendous job on it. I promise that. So, also, huge thank you, shout out to the women that decorated yesterday outside. It looked really good, really good today. I know y'all worked hard on that, and thank you to us men that decorated the uh, benches, the pews this week. Y'all know who you are. Yeah. And got to maybe prove somebody wrong, Josh, maybe. I don't know if Lynn knows about that yet. But, no, it, it was a good time. I, thank you all for helping re, re-upholster the, uh, the, the pews outside and Drew for his knowledge and making us do more work Thursday night here. Uh, Wednesday night, yeah. So it was good. And so everything looks great, tremendous. Y'all do a wonderful job as usual. And y'all just keep making the bar higher. So if y'all do less than this, we're going to be like, well, we know y'all can do better. So y'all keep setting the bar higher for yourselves. But thank y'all. A lot of hard work. All right. Well, let's receive our offering this morning. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. As we pray this morning, we pray for our time, and and we want to pray for Miss Jeannie Jacobs. She asked for prayer this morning. She's having an MRI tomorrow on her shoulder. She's been in a lot of pain with it. So we want to continue to believe with her for God's healing on her this morning. Um, most of you, some of you know, and some of you may not, uh, the Clemens family lost their son yesterday. He graduated with Hallie, Adrian Clemens. Um, and so we want, to con- we want to remember the Clemens family in prayer this morning as they're dealing with that time of loss with that young man. Um, and so let's see. We, again, pray for the peace of Israel. We prayed this morning in our time of prayer, and I invite you, y'all. We enter our bulletin every Sunday, and I'm not telling everybody or shaming nobody for not being back there, but it's really important for this time of prayer on Sunday mornings, I promise. You say, I pray at home, and I, I pray that you do, that our time on Sunday morning at 940 is not the only time in prayer during the week. But if you can at all possible, and you're here at 940, and you're like, there's something going on at 940 in the morning, and I don't remember what it is. It's our time of prayer. You don't have to pray. You're just coming back. You don't have to pray out loud. Let's put it that way. You're coming back here joining with us in prayer for you're building up this body as we meet here. You're inviting the Holy Spirit to work in your own life and to move throughout this service as he will and not, and not as we will. Okay, this is not a script. I watched a, uh, um, a little video of this pastor at some church. I don't know where it was, but he had like four or five people going over his notes Saying, well, you, it would sound better if you said it this way. You would sound better if you'd done this. What if you said this? So he could emphasize more. So when he got up there to preach, it was just like a script. It was like a production. The Word of God is not a production. Okay, The Holy Spirit's not about production. When we do that, we're putting limits and time limits and restraints on the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. And so I'm not, I'm not preaching right now. We're praying. So we've got to pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for those things. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Tucker, she texts this morning. A lot of you got it that her mom, she's with her at the ER right now. I don't know what's going on with her, but we want to pray for, for healing in that aspect. But, but we'll pray and we'll receive our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this day, this time together, the word that's come forth already this morning, God, that it, and the time of praise and worship that we've got to sing to you and, and, and just recount and, and sing about how that you sent Jesus to this earth to die for us, to live that sinless life, to be our example, to die for us, to shed his blood for, for the remission of all sins. And, and Father, then rose again on that third day and is now ascended back to the right hand of the Heavenly Father. And we thank you for that, that we get to come and do that and just praise and glorify your holy name because there's nobody else worthy of praise but you. And God, we just ask that you, with these, with these needs this morning right now, we pray for Jenny Jacobs, God, that you touch her, be with her tomorrow as this MRI, God, that they can, they, can, they can see what's going on. But Father, more than that, we believe your healing hands on her right now that you're touching and moving in her life. And we thank you for that. We pray for the Clemens family with the loss of this young man, Adrian. God, you just touched them this morning. You comfort them in their time of need. They look to you for strength and comfort. Holy Spirit, just be with them this morning. We thank you for that. God, we, again, we lift up Israel to you. We can't say enough how we stand with Israel and pray for the peace of that nation. We know they're your chosen people. And God, we just thank you that, that you're working and moving in that whole situation. And we'll wake up as a body of Christ to see and realize and read and understand what's going on and taking places. And we thank you, God, that you're working and moving. God, pray for Deborah Tucker's mother that you touch her this morning at the ER, whatever's going on. God, that you touch and you move in her life and bring health and healing there. Father, again, we love and we praise you. We thank you for this time that we get to come and bring our tithes and offerings to you. As your word says, and be obedient to your word. And God, we just thank you that you bless and touch and move during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Children, I know y'all, y'all just like, are we going to have children's church today? I could see it. Tanner asked me, he's like, is this our Bible class today? So y'all can go to children's church. Got me an extra cup of coffee this morning. Keep it up here. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to get into some more word this morning. Why do we come to church? Sing praises to God and hear the word, right? That's why we come here. To edify the body of Christ. To lift His name on high. To 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 come and join others that we can hear and what the Word of God has for us and that we can go out and live more what God wants us to live and how He wants us to live and, and live more of a Christian life every day as, as we call it, but just as a child of God. You know, we're called to be different, right? We're called to be something other than what the world has a standard for. We're not called to accept Jesus our Lord and Savior and then stay the same. If that happens, then you need to reevaluate what you really done. Did you really mean it or did you just say some words? So with Jesus coming into your life and the power of the Holy Spirit working, there should be some evidence of some change. There should be something there that, that shows different than what you were before. And, and with that comes a yearning to know the Word of God. And, and we're going we're gonna to read back in the book of Mark this morning. We're part four of our book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter three, and we're going to be in verse 22 starting out this morning. And, you know, there's several places that, you know, I'm like, I don't want to go. I didn't say, well, we're going to go through the book of Mark to go verse by verse. But it's hard to skip over anything that Jesus says, right? Because in everything that he taught, there's things there for us. They didn't see it then. A lot of us don't see it now. As Pat said this morning with the stuff going on in Israel. If you haven't read the Word of God and don't know it, then you're not going to understand the things going on. If you're not reading it now, you're not going to understand the things that have happened before to lead up to this. And so in my daily Bible reading, there was Daniel and now we're in Ezekiel. But there is things in the Old Testament that point to the end times. That point to the day, and then there's a lot of things, and we're not going to start preaching on the end times today, I promise. But there's, there's different thoughts. Hey, this has happened already. Well, all the, you know, that happened in AD 70 with the fall of, 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 of what went on back then. And so, you know, there's different thoughts and things. But we know that the end of the book of Revelation says that God wins, right? The end of our life, when we submit it to Him, God still wins. In your battles every day, when you give it to Him, God still wins, right? Whether you think He wins, you you get through it as you see it or not, God still needs to get the glory for it. So so there's a lot of things and and everything in red letter. If you've got a red letter Bible, then that's Jesus talking. That's not just some prophet, as, as some books would say. He was a good prophet back then. This is Jesus. Jesus was his earthly name. Jesus of Nazareth, right? They didn't come around saying, well, that's Jesus Christ. No, Christ was his deity. Christ is who he was from heaven. We have to remember, and and we're going to read here in these verses right here, that they failed to see who he really was. Because at the end of it, well, let's just read on. I'll get ahead of myself. So in verse 22 of Mark 3, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub, or he has Satan. He's demon-possessed, just like these others. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. So, they said, well, Jesus is doing this. It's a magic show. It's a trick. You know, we've all seen and all heard of the evangelists that go out there and they heal these people, but we go back and look and dig into it. The Well, they had these pointed out before the service, where it looks like things going on. I don't know if you all remember the movie Leap of Faith. Everybody seen that? with um, Steve Martin in it, where he's this evangelist. Well, he gets big. Well, they start planting people's, in people's ears and saying, well, she's got this, and she's going to you know, be healed of whatever, and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of it, all this fake stuff that was going on, he was getting rich by. At the end of it, they're praying for rain because there's a drought. Well, he figures out at the end it starts raining. There's nothing he done. And, and so he can't figure it out. But So they, they think Jesus is this same kind of just evangelist. 
that's doing these things and it's fake. It doesn't mean anything. So Jesus said, hey, he, I like this. He said he calls them to himself. Hey, come here, let me tell you something. That's what Tanner says to me. I've got to tell you something. Let me tell you something. And so Jesus said, hey, let me, look, look, let me show you something right here. How can Satan cast out Satan? How can he do that? How, why would Satan want to cast out Satan? Satan would want, you to st- would want him to stay there to thrive and to grow more. So he can't, he's not going to cast out Satan. He said, if a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And we know that. There's houses, relationships, and, and families that have fallen apart because they're divided. They're not together. Jesus is not the foundation of what they're built on, so they fall apart and crumble. Just like America, they say, is, it was, is founded on the Word of God. It may be founded there, but that's not where it is today, for the most part, if we look. And so there's one day, and, and I pray that none of us will be here, but we may be where America will not be the powerhouse that it is now. And we're preaching more on end times, so let's get back. If, and and if, if Satan rides up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. So he's not, Satan is who he is. We know that Satan was thrown down from heaven. He was, you know, cast down in lightning. A third of the angels went with him because they all had pride built up and wanted to take over God in heaven. Said, I can do a better job. I can do this. And so God said, no, you can't. So I love this. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder his house. Shows right there that Jesus, not Jesus the man, We've got to, we've got to remember that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit while on this earth. Okay, if Jesus did not have the Holy Spirit working and moving through him, Jesus the man could not have done this on his own. You say, but I thought he was God. He was. He is. But he still had the Holy Spirit, and Jesus even said that. Jesus even gave, gave the Holy Spirit. He's like, the Holy Spirit, he empowers me to do these things. And, and so he, he knows that. He said, if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit cannot come and empower you. So the Holy Spirit, and, and we're going to read more about him in just a second, but he's not just God's little brother, Jesus' little brother over here, or his first cousin. No, he's part of the Trinity, the Godhead bodily, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, it's not important if you, well, the Holy Ghost, that's just speaking in tongues. We've preached on that here. We've preached on it numerous times, and I'll say it again. If you can find the power of the Holy Spirit to just speak it in tongues, and what you see at some churches and some churches not, you're confining the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's not what He's about. Now, does tongues come through that? Yes. And I'm not preaching on tongues today and, and, and speaking in other tongues and prophesying. We're preaching about the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's part of it, okay? All right? And I'm, I'm not downing the tongues. I'm not downing those things. Those things happen. The Bible talks about those things. They've happened here. They happen in my own life as far as my personal prayer time. There's languages that come out. There's excitement that comes out when I know I'm in the presence of God. And, and, and different things. You can't explain those things. Just the power of the Holy Spirit. Why try to explain it? Why try to do those things? And, and then you're confining the power of the Holy Spirit again. But Jesus is showing here, look, I've already defeated Satan. I was there when Satan got cast down from heaven. I was there. I, I know what he tried to do, and I know how powerless he is against me, against the power of the Holy Spirit, against God. I know that. And so how could Jesus cast out demons? Because he had the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. So through this, and, and it's kind of strange that Jesus throws these last two sentences in here. And as I'm reading this, and I've always read it, and then a couple of days ago, I'm like, well, why did he say that here? They didn't ask what sins could be forgiven. If there was a sin that couldn't be forgiven, they didn't ask none of that. But Jesus goes on to say, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the Son of Man, and what the sons of man, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. You're like, well, why did he say that? I think he was saying that because they were putting Jesus in the same place as the devil. They were putting his power that the Holy Spirit gave through 
gave to Jesus that he was using through the Holy Spirit. And they were using that as a contradiction to say, hey, no, he's not the Holy Spirit, he's a devil. Well, and there in itself, and what is blasphemy? What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I mean, how many has ever wondered that? Right? We've all had that question. We've all wondered that. Well, I don't, I don't, how do I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? One thing that I can say, you're here today. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. You know what you're doing is wrong. You know your areas you need to change in your life. God's still using you. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe, is just a one-time I'm going to just say this out of disgust, and then I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I believe it's a lifestyle and a life thing that, that goes on, and people just constantly rejecting the Word of God, constantly rejecting. As they did Jesus, they constantly rejected Jesus. And these were leaders of the church. They constantly rejected the power that He was having on this earth. They constantly rejected those things. This commentary I read, it says, Blasphemy or sin against the Holy Spirit includes a willful, malicious, and slanderous word spoken against the person or work of the Holy Spirit. All right? It is unpardonable because it is willful rejection of light and deliberate insult to the last and only executive of God to man to bring about remissions of sin. When men do away with the only agent of God in redemption and the only method of forgiveness, there is no other person to plead their case before God, so their souls are lost eternally. So the Holy Spirit is more than just speaking in tongues. We know the Holy Spirit's our comforter. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in all truths. So He's there for that aspect of it. He's there that, that we do not get into this point to where we're just a constant lifestyle of rejecting the power and the wonder and the works of God in our life. And, and so, you know, blaspheme the Holy Spirit. How about just live the life that you're called to live? How about just stop rejecting the move of the Holy Spirit and the work and the conviction of sin in your life? How about doing that? How about for, ask for repentance and remission of sin as, as Jesus died for remission of all sins? And, and stop worrying, am I blaspheming the Holy Spirit? And just start doing what the Word of God says, and then you know you won't be blaspheming the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. They failed to see who Jesus really was. They failed to see that He had the power of the Holy Spirit working through Him. And the good news for us today, because Jesus finished the work, is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. The same Holy Spirit that worked through Jesus is working in us today, if He's Lord of your life. Alright, let's believe we gotta, that's gotta be first. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you. You say, well why ain't He in me if I'm not saved? Because you have not confessed your sins and made Him Lord of your life. So therefore, the power of the Holy Spirit can't work through you. That's just, you say, well, is it a club? No, it's a relationship with Jesus. It's you doing something to say, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent right now. I come clean in my life. I know only your blood can make me clean and wash me whiter than snow. And then the power of the Holy Spirit can work and move in your life. All right. In, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. The title of this message was a sower because we're going to get into chapter 4. But we got to, I want to go through this first before we go to chapter 4. It's, just, it's too good not to go through. We need to see God's power and, and work through Jesus on this earth. And he throws that in there that, hey, you keep rejecting me is rejecting the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because you say you're a religious leader and you're not. You say you know the Torah or the Bible, and, and you don't because you're rejecting what God has sent. Amen. So in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, because Jesus done what He done and who He was, Paul says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this same thought process, the same thing. You say, well, how can I have the mind of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus? Because you're a child of God. He's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you. And then you can have this same mind and thought process, okay? Now, does that raise you up at the level of Jesus? No, it lets you use the power that Jesus had and through the Holy Spirit. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. 
And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Therefore God has also, also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at that name of Jesus every knee should bow to those things in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. So that right there, they didn't see. Like Jesus has that, has that power. He's standing in front of them. He's preaching to them. And they couldn't see it. We, we've read it for over 2,000 years. And people still do not see and understand and keep rejecting the power of God working in their life. Why? Because one, the main reason is they're having fun in their time of sin. And they don't want to change it. They don't want to change their life because it's going good right now and they can do it on their own. They don't want to do anything else so they can just say, well, this is okay. I'll, I'll go to church today. I'll do that. But, but I'm not changing nothing. I'm not changing nothing. And we still live the same each day and reject the power. But there's one day to where every knee will bow, every one of them, to things in heaven and the earth and under the earth. Satan has no power over Jesus. You realize that, right? Satan has no power over the Holy Spirit. He has no power over God. The only power he has is what you give him. The only thing that he can do in your life is what you allow him to do. And so when we get slack on our relationship with God, on reading the Word, on praying, on on keeping ourselves built up spiritually, built up to where we can see the attacks of the devil coming in our life, and then we, we, we slack on that and then... Satan, hey, I can get in right there. I can put a thought in their mind. I can put something in front of their eyes or something in front of their face to distract them from the Word of God and use them when I want to use them. And he does it all the time. And it's not ugly. Why would Satan... If if I was going to tempt somebody with something, I wouldn't put nothing ugly out there, would you? So we want pretty. We want flashy. We want all these things to keep our mind off of what we know we should do. But at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And then he goes on in verse 11, And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Every tongue. Every tongue, I think, Ron, or it may have been Roger, Wednesday night in our little men's group, said that he heard a statistic that used to be 80, that 80% of Americans claimed to know God. I said, well, we get down to it, it's probably 20 to 30%. Because if 80% of America claim to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and claim to know God, and I guarantee you that probably 70% of those 80 think that no matter what they do, they're going to go to heaven because God's just all loving God. And he's just, he's that dude. And he's going to let me into heaven because I helped somebody across the street and I did my good deed for the day. And, and so I'm doing good in my life. He's going to let me in. That's not going to happen. Because if 80% of Americans truly confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior and truly had a relationship with Him and truly knew God for who He was and not just some white-haired guy sitting on a throne up in heaven ready to strike you down with a lightning bolt or ready to do something bad to you or Jesus right there as a hippie going to love everybody no matter what you do, how you live your lifestyle, what you claim to be or whatever, is going to let everybody into heaven, then the churches would be full today. There wouldn't be a seat empty. Why? Because they would be doing what the Word of God says. They would be living the life that God told them to live. But they're not. Why? Because there's not 80% of America that truly believes that. Now, there's no doubt that there's 80% of America believe that I can find my own way to God. I can do this and be good. But I promise the end of that is destruction. The end of it is destruction. It's going to be hell and eternity with Him. Just like He says, for those that blaspheme against the Holy Spirit never have forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. That's eternity away from Jesus. That's eternity in this afterlife where you don't go to heaven. You say, well, that's mean. Well, that's the Word of God. Whether it's mean or not, that's the Word of God, and that's what it says. So, we need to repent in our life. It's a daily thing. A daily thing that we repent. And say, God, forgive me. I repent. I want to change. I want to do this way. I, I, I don't want those things in my life. Holy Spirit, help me to know what to do. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me today in all truths. Because you realize that your body, you're a child of God, your body is not your own. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where He dwells inside of you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I don't know if I put that one up there, Cole. 
But in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, in verse 20, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You are not your own. People mutilizing their own bodies to become male or female when they were born one gender and want to become a next. That's not their own body to do with as they want. Your body's not your own. What's my body? My choice. They say, chant that to, to abort babies and to do different things to their bodies. That's wrong in the sight of God. It's not your body. He gave you this as a vessel to live here on this earth. Right? He, he, he lets you live here. He gave you this body to live here and put a spirit and a soul inside of you when this body we know is going to go to the ground one day. This is the shortest time we'll live anywhere. And, and so it's not your body. For you were bought with a price. What's that price? Jesus hanging on the cross and dying for our sins, right? Somebody that did not have to come to earth to live that life for us and die for us, but died for us, didn't he? He did with that shed of blood. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. This is the body of Christ, okay? This is the body of Christ. The world doesn't know this because they haven't accepted Jesus. Those in the world don't know this. But you that have accepted Jesus know that your body is not yours. So we should never go around and say, well, I'm going to do this because it's my own body. It's my own life. No, you belong to Christ. If you claim Jesus, you belong to Christ. Stop living for yourself and start living for Him. All right, let's go on to chapter 4. The sower. I've heard this preached. I can't count the times. And I'm sure most of you have been in church any point, any, any amount of time have preached this. And others in here have preached this numerous times. I know Daddy has. But the thing is, there's not a new Bible being written, is it? It's the same Word of God. And so guess what? We come to hear the Word of God. And we come to listen to the Word of God. And just as Jesus talks here in Mark chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 3, He says, listen, with an exclamation point, listen. Hey, listen to me. And I'm not making myself as Jesus, alright? I'm reading the Word. But Jesus, He said, behold, a sower went out to sow. Who was sowing then? Jesus was sowing the Word. What are we here for today? What do I pray? For every time I come up here, that the word I preach go out on the fertile ground. That the word that comes forth out of this pulpit, whether it's JJ, Pat, Daddy, Brad, whoever's up here, that whoever, whatever comes out will accept and be on fertile ground. Because we've all got parts in our lives we're going to read that we need to change. We've all got the thorny areas. We've all got the areas in our life where we're just built up emotionally and then it comes to nothing. Because there's no fertile ground. And there's plenty in here that still garden that know this rule every, every day, right? Daddy's still planting. He's got raised garden beds now. I thought harvest season was over, but he's going to keep planting. Keep planting. So he's doing in the physical what he's done in the spiritual his whole, his, the past 54 years. Planting. Watering. Planting. Watching it grow. Why did he do this for 50-something years? So he could spread the Word of God and that your lives would grow. I've said this for the longest time. The, the, the greatest, um, we call about Pastor Appreciation Month. I used to say this about him when he was up here. His greatest joy is to see you growing in your relationship with Christ. That's mine also. That you grow in your relationship with Christ. That, that the Word of God spring up and go forth in you where you're telling others about Jesus and you're sowing the Word. That's, that's, a, that's a joy as a pastor to see those things because that means what he's actually preaching, you're actually listening to. Because I fell into it. I could show of hands. How many remember what was preached two weeks ago? Exactly. And you say, well, does that mean I'm not, not understanding, I'm not listening to the Word of God as it's preached? It does not mean that but that we take something from this each week and that we use it in our life. All right? And, and so, trust me, I listened to the same man for all my life. And there's a lot of times I couldn't tell you what he preached from one, one, one week to the next. Why? Because there might have been points in my life where I didn't listen as I needed to. I, I can say that, honestly. But it's just we get in a routine. 
And we say, I'll go hear a little preaching today. And then we do nothing else with it. But that's why we make these. We used to have CDs set up on the back table. We used to record, you know, duplicate the CDs. And people would take them, listen to them, throw them away, whatever. Give them out for free. But there is no reason now that you cannot hear the Word of God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. With the technology we got out. We, we make ours available through Facebook, YouTube, Sermon.net. I think it's on Amazon Audible. And so, I mean, there's, there's no reason that, and there's numerous churches all across that do this. Numerous Christian podcasts. There's no reason we can't hear the Word of God all the time. I can turn on my app and just let the Word of God be read to me as I'm doing something. And listen to it. And then if I, let me listen to that again. You can go back and listen to it again. It doesn't stop. It doesn't wear out. So there's no reason that we're not listening to the Word of God and not, not building ourselves up in what God's told us. So let's go on right here. Listen, behold, a soul went out to sow. And it happened that as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and, and the thorns grew, and it choked it, and, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And then he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. So we all got ears. We all got ears today. But Jesus, I believe, is talking more about, it's got to come through these ears to get into here where it needs to go, Right? It's got to come through these ears to get into our head, down to our heart, to where we fully understand it, believe it. So we got ears. We need to hear what the Word of God is saying. And this is coming from Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, He Himself. This is coming from Him. And His own disciples didn't understand the parable, did they? They didn't know what was going on. It's like they come to Him and said, I didn't put this up there, but when, when they was alone, they didn't want to ask Him in front of the multitude of the crowd He was preaching. You ever done that? And there's nothing wrong with coming to the pastors, whoever spoke the word, and say, hey, help me understand this a little better. But, but they come to him, and, and, you know, and they're like, what, what do you mean by that? Explain to us this thing. Explain to us what you were saying. So in verse 13, he explains the parable. Do you not understand? And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. What we're doing today, we're sowing the Word, speaking Word. And so our words have power in our life, okay? Our words have power. You can speak good things in the Word of God and watch those move things in your life because as you're speaking the Word of God, you're producing the power of the Holy Spirit out, okay, when you're speaking the Word of God. When you're speaking negative things, things of doubt and unbelief, that's not in the Word of God. That's not the Word of God. So you're speaking things that don't need to be spoken. So, it's the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and they hear. Then Satan comes immediately to take it away, that the word that, the, that, was, sown, the word that was sown in their hearts. So these are the ones that come to church to hear a little bit, and I don't like it, so I'm going to get offended by it. They hear something, and then, nah, that's not for me, I'm, I'm good. So immediately after the word is spoken, it may be something, hey, you need to repent of your sins, and you... I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't need to do that. Why, why do you think that right off? Why do we think a lot of times that we're good or, or even times that we're not good enough? Because as the Word's being spoken, Satan don't want you to understand the Word in your life. So immediately he's going to come and put something in there that's contrary to the Word of God. Because remember, everything that God made perfect, Satan wants to make imperfect. But wants us to see that it's perfect, even though it's imperfect to the standard of God. So those are, the, those are the ones that come and they want to get offended. They really don't want to be here. They don't want to hear the Word of God. They're not going to read it during the week. They're not going to do anything like that to, to make those stone, that stony ground better. So Satan comes immediately and, and, and deceives them. And they have no root in themselves. Uh, verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the Word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. So I've been in a lot. We see a lot of times when evangelists come in. There'll be a move, you know, and, and they do a good job. 
Evangelists come in and they preach the Word of God and they get a lot of people to come to Christ. They do. I'm not taking anything away from what they do. They're one of the part of the five-fold ministry, okay? But a lot of times, if we don't watch it, we'll be in a service like that and we'll get on an emotional high and we think it's just, we think it's a spiritual high. But as soon as something bad happens, we know it wasn't a spiritual high, it was emotional because our attitude changes like that. Our attitude is different like that. Why? Because we were just emotionally high. We were just emotionally. And sure, there's times we need evangelists to come in and preach that kind of word to us where we can grab onto it and understand. But don't let that be the end of it. Then it's my job to come in and keep you there where you need to be. Why, why are we so... Because we're a bunch of roller coaster society on... And I'm not speaking against medication. Okay, I've said this before. We're up and down all the time in our life. Up and down. Up and down. Sad one day, happy the next. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm taking medicine for this, that, and the other, and all this kind of stuff because my emotions are out of whack. Why? Because our physical life and emotions mirrors our, our spiritual life and emotions. Okay? And, and so they get happy. We get happy for a minute. We hear the word and we get happy. Well, that's good right there. And then we go out and Satan's right there and then we do nothing with it. Why? Because we didn't really hear the word. It made us feel good for a second, but we didn't. There's no depth. There's no root there. There's nothing there. So it goes on to say in verse 17, they have no root in themselves, so they endure for a little time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Just like I said, immediately they stumble. Why? Because it's just an emotion. It's just a thing that made them feel good for just a moment. But, but then the world comes back and hits again, and then we don't know how to handle it. Why? Because there's nothing in the Word of God. As J.J. said, if this Word got taken away today, how many Christians that call themselves Christians would actually remember the Word of God and what to do and what to say? Right? We, you've got to know the Word to remember the Word. You've got to know what this Word says to remember it and say it each day. Now, these are the ones that sown among the thorns. The ones that hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and desires of other things, and again, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I venture to say that there's probably not many of us that don't have places in our lives, spirits, figuratively speaking, to where we don't want people to see. If we look at it, it's like a thorn bush. Like, I don't want to let nobody in there. I want that for myself. I want, I want to do what I want to there. And I want nobody else there. Guess what? The Word can't get there that needs to either. Jesus came to remove those things out of our lives. We keep the briar patch there because we, we like it there. It's, it's, our, it's our safe place, right? It's our place that, that we think is safe. That we keep all of our bad things we think is hidden. It's nothing hidden from God. You can hide what you want to amongst everybody else, but there's nothing hidden from God. You can do as much as you want to to try to make everybody else think I'm just I'm I'm this and I'm that and I'm a good Christian and I'm all that and and you, they look at you and say, well, he must have it going on right. I promise that person has another part. If they don't watch it, they can build up, and and it's where they don't want you to see. And so we have to guard against those things. We have to guard against that. Why? Because, because we're not seeing the Word. It chokes the Word down. We're lust of the flesh. It speaks it right here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things, the deceitfulness of this world, the cares of this world, the riches, and the desires for other things. When we desire other things more than God, then, then God is not where He needs to be in our life. When, when we hold these other things up here, and God down here, God is not where He needs to be. And, and our life is not going to be intact and where it needs to be because God is not where He needs to be. And, and then we, we wonder why that these things are going on, but it all comes back to this right here. The deceitfulness of this world, the, 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 the cares of other things in our life, they choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. This is where I pray that we are each week when we come in here. This is where I pray for you every day that this is where you are in your life. That on good ground, those who hear the Word, accept it. Hear it and accept it. That's hard for us to do sometimes. We don't want to accept the Word. Why? Because it challenges us. 
said a lot of times, if you sit in here and you cannot be challenged by the Word of God, hey, I'm, I guess I'm not doing my job good enough or right, but you're rejecting the Word of God in your own life. If you can sit in here, and, and we know the Holy Spirit moves in and out of this service as He wills, and moves on hearts and lives, and still go out from here and do the, live the same life as you did when you come in, rejecting God each and every day, and still, still do the same sins that you know in your life, and not want to have them changed, then, then you're not here and accepting the Word of God. You're rejecting it. It says, not only accept it, but bear fruit. Just like I said, when you read the Word of God and grow from it, that brings us joy. That brings me joy to see you grow in your life spiritually to where these things don't bother you as they used to. And then it says, and bear, and bear fruit. Some 30, 60, and some 100. Now, is that money? No, we're not here preaching on money, okay? That's, that's the fruit of God in your life. That's the fruit of the works of the Holy Spirit working in your life and through your life. When you allow yourself, when you allow yourself to rid of all these other things, get the thorns and thistles out, get the rocks out. I know I, I got to crawl under my house the past couple of days. I hate it. I've never liked, I've never liked residential work. I'm an electrical, and I've done residential for a little while, and I was putting up duct work under the house the past couple of days. There were some times of praying for wisdom, I promise. Because um, it was no fun. It's no fun to crawl under a house when, they, uh, when they've left shards of uh, concrete under there. And your knees are like, what are you doing? You're not 24 anymore. Your knees do not like this. And so crawling under a house and, and doing those things. And so those rocks, those clumps, if I could pick them up, I was throwing them out of my way. Most of the time in frustration because it hurt. Stab my hand on them, side, elbow, knees, whatever. But getting those out of the way, why? So I could get to the soft ground. I could get to the good ground. Jesus came so that He can remove everything out of your life and you can come good ground. He came just for that fact. We've, uh, it's sad to see in, in some churches to where they'll have to, you have to, um, Let's put it this way. Try to act like Jesus needs more power for what he done than what he did. Does that make sense? We have to pretty up what Jesus done for salvation. That's, we're, that's watering down the Word of God. If you cannot believe that Jesus came and died, lived that life and died for your sins, and the power that, you, that, that is done, and you say, well, I know I need to ask forgiveness. I know that I need to do that. The power that is done in people's lives, when, when Jesus comes in and radically changes them, then we have watered down the, the, the work of Christ and the gospel. It is powerful. It is nothing that we should take lightly, yet we do as a society and a church today. In our culture, we take that lightly. When, when it's, it's, we can't fathom Jesus on this earth and we're reading His words. And He was who He said He was and did what He said He was going to do. And then we water that down to the point to where, well, it's okay. I don't have to do that today. I don't have to do that. Well, it's, you know, I don't, I don't, we water down the power that is in repenting of our sins and then getting up from that and knowing Jesus is Lord of our life. We have to do skits and different things and light shows and all this kind of stuff and turn the lights down to where people can get in the mood. If you can't get in the mood with the Word of God, then it's not the Holy Spirit. If you have to have the lights down and, and all these other things going on for you to feel the Holy Spirit, then that's more emotion than the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. And there's, I'm not preaching against churches that do that, I promise. But the, the Holy Spirit is... is it's more He can come in the daylight with the blinds open and everybody looking at you and the Holy Spirit can fall on you and you could dance a jig, you could do whatever, you, whatever the Holy Spirit willed you to do if you would let Him. But it's got to start with you changing your life. It's got to start with you being that good soul. And that's why I pray we are today. And if you're not there, I pray that you get there. You start letting the, you start letting the ground get tilled up. What happens every year when you go to plant a garden, Daddy? What happens? Is that ground hard? Hard as, and, and the, I've seen him before bouncing the tiller over. He just 
bouncing down through there. And we've all done that. He normally gets Ron to come over with his tractor and plow it up, don't he? Why? Because it's easier that way. But when God comes in, does that make you fertile right off? Does that make that ground good soil? It's a start. It's a start. And then you have to grow and work on the rest of it to where you can get where you need to be. And that's only through the power of God. Amen. Y'all stand this morning. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then I can't say it enough. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you stop running and you stop letting this, this Word not come in as it needs to and you stop rejecting the Word of God in your life. You stop rejecting the power of the Holy Spirit. You stop rejecting those things and let God come in. Let, let, let Jesus cleanse you of your sins and all unrighteousness and be made whole. Because as we've, as you've heard today numerous times, several times, that we are in the end times. The Bible tells us that tomorrow is not promised to us. We, we don't know when our next breath would be. Our life is just as a vapor, right? And so we don't know what holds tomorrow, what, what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen when we leave here, we don't know. But we do know the one who holds tomorrow. We do know the one that, that can change our life. And so I pray today that you, you stop rejecting Him and you let God be who He needs to be in your life. And if you fall away in your relationship with Him, come back to Him today. Today is the day we can come back. We can pray and you can ask God to come and forgive you your sins and, and re, reunite you in that relationship with Him. So everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you this morning, I pray that, that as the music plays and, and 